1: Hey, what's up? I'm Roy Wood Jr. Now, it's time to go beyond the scenes. Now, how can I explain this podcast? You know when you go to a restaurant and you go there and you get the meal and it's a wonderful meal, and then at the front counter as you're leaving, they have that little bowl of peppermints or those little, the green chocolate, the chocolate that tastes like a mint. They got that, right? And you grab one of those or a toothpick on the way out the door. That's what this podcast is. This podcast is The Daily Show's Toothpick and Peppermint. You got the regular daily show and then you have us here going beyond the scenes, which is exactly what we're about to do this week. Today, we're talking about why restaurant workers are not running back to their jobs and some of the issues within their industry. Here's a clip.
2: The pandemic gave restaurant workers a chance to reinvent themselves, choosing to leave for what they believe are better situations. Following pandemic shutdowns, when workers have been forced into overdrive, coronavirus exposing industry flaws.
3: restaurant workers are considered
4: essential workers, but we're not treated like essential workers.
2: There's definitely issues with wages. I think there's issues with childcare. I think there's issues with um, benefits, health insurance.
5: You're having to work like 50 plus hours a week and it's just, it's still not enough to pay your bills and to
1: be able to take care of your family. People, it makes complete sense that restaurant workers are looking for better jobs, right?
2: Because these are tough jobs. They're on their feet all day. They take care of everyone. They pretend not to hear when you guys are breaking up at the table. And after all of that, they have to
1: rely on tips. I mean, you know a job isn't paying enough when every meal ends with a mini GoFundMe. Later we're going to be joined by two daily show staffers who help bring this segment to light on the show but first it's my pleasure to welcome Padma Lakshmi onto the program and you know Padma her ear is to the street if it's anybody know who knows what chefs and restaurant tours are going through right now it's Padma she's the creator and host of Hulu's Taste the Nation she's the host and executive producer of Bravo's Top Chef that's an Emmy-winning program, by the way. She's also most recently a published children's author, Tomatoes for Neela. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that. She's also a best-selling author. You know her from her previous books, her memoir, Love, Lost, and What We Ate, and the Encyclopedia of Spices and Herbs. Padma, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for going beyond the scenes with me. I hope I didn't share too much in the introduction, but I think it's important for people to know that you're not just hosting and executive producing and creating opportunities for marginalized communities, but also you do a dope ass comedy show benefit fundraiser that sometimes you book me on, and I'm very appreciative of that as well, in addition to the you know children's books and best-selling, you know, authorship and all of that stuff.
3: Thank you. I love having you on our comedy show. You are always one of the highlights, even for the digital one, which, you know, it was a hit and miss and everybody was like trying to do something good. Yours was so fucking funny. I laughed my ass off. Look, I was like, thank, thank God you. for Wood Jr. who always knocks it out of the park. So it is I who am privileged to have you on my little comedy show, sir.
1: And I'm going to play that snippet back for my mother, who always has critiques for my jokes. She loves Taste the Nation. <laughs> And now on this particular episode, you know, we're talking about, you know, the way COVID is kind of really torn apart a lot of the restaurant industry and the workers that are still there are dealing with all types of wage issues, mistreatment from customers. You are someone that is often in conversation with a lot of chefs that run these types of establishments. In your opinion right now, what is the biggest, what is, what are some of the bigger issues facing the restaurant industry?
3: I think labor is a huge issue. It's not as easy as people think to make a profit in the restaurant business to begin with at the best of times. The margins are incredibly low and most restaurants are paying the invoices from 45 days ago with the money they're making this week. And so you can see how almost instantaneously a restaurant would be behind if they didn't have deep pockets, or really great investors who could afford to float them because all you have to do is be shut down for a week or two in order to be in debt. And what people don't understand is that in order to offer you a menu of even just 10 items and five apps, appetizers, and three desserts, Mm -hmm. which doesn't seem like a lot, right? Um, They have to have all those groceries ready so that when you decide between the filet mignon and the chicken fricassee, they don't know what you're gonna pick. They have to have everything ready to make all of those things. And those things are perishable. So there are so many material costs, aside from the fixed costs of restaurants, just to run um, in a positive, uh, thriving economy. One of the reasons is because, you know, The labor system in restaurants is really messed up. First of all, it's manual labor. It's very grueling work. You know, whether you're a server on the floor or you're a dishwasher or you are a sous chef or just a line cook, all of it is difficult. The hours are terrible, which is another reason, not the only reason, that it really discourages women from taking leadership positions. You know, it's hard to have a family and be in the restaurant business, I, I do believe that restaurants will have to rethink how they do business. You know, a few years ago, Danny Meyer tried to raise his prices a little bit in order not to have the whole tipping situation. And, and you know, people really resisted that from both sides uh, of the restaurant, both the customers, as well as some of the wait staff because not everybody mm-hmm. shares their tips and things like that. So it's really, really hard. And beyond the restaurant industry right now, what I am hearing is that everybody is having trouble finding help because nobody is really willing to put themselves on the line for what, you know, mere handful of dollars an hour if they're lucky. You can't get by on that. You can't buy. Um, a sandwich at the same place you're sandwiches, you know, with what you get paid. I mean, I know it's not just restaurants, it's even fast casual places that are serving ice cream or boba, you know, these kind of high turnover yeah. uh, places where, you know, in the summer they were able to get by with, um, with, with teenage help.
1: There's so much. The other thing that I think that people forget about with this job is that food service to a large degree, it was already, in my opinion, on the border. And I was a server for four or five years. Golden Corral, Shoney's, hello, Baskin Robbins as well. But it was already borderlining on being thankless. And now it is for sure a thankless job. And I've seen, you know, you've seen this stuff on social media with the owners basically putting signs in the window at their establishments. Hey, before you come in here, just know we're short staffed. shut your mouth, we're doing the best we can. So how are restaurant owners able to balance being fair and equitable to their employees while at the same time trying to meet the customer's needs?
3: I think what's going on also is that the whole economy is uh, down and a lot of people are out of work, so they don't have as much disposable income to go out to eat. And then when they do go out to eat, they want more than ever, they always did, but now they want even more value for their dollar. So, you know, they want the cheapest pizza, the biggest size, the most (laughs) amount of (laughs) toppings, and they want it all with a smile and, and, and they want it fast. Americans are conditioned to want, uh, especially their food items, it's really weird. They're not willing to pay more for quality food. That's why oh, I I want mean, it fast.
1: milk. Give it to me.
3: And they want it fast. They want it cheap. Milk needs to be much more than it is. Otherwise, you're going to get all this milk with all these antibiotics and this factory farming. You know, the customer decides. And I always try and educate people who don't understand. Uh, the food business to say, you know, really, do you want that extra $1. fifty off of your pizza if you know that the person making that pizza can't even send his kid to the doctor? Like, you don't want that. Come on now, you no. know? Um, pay a couple more dollars for your food. Like, it's your body is precious. You wanna put good food in it?
1: I really wish that there was a larger conversation in this country, just about portion size. Like, I'm at a point now where if you send me too much food, I get annoyed. I'm like, who is eating this much of, like, it's more for the show and the presentation of it, but I'm still going to take some of this home and probably not even eat it there. Like, I think the average person who's never worked food service doesn't understand everything that you've articulated thus far. How do we get people to better understand the inner workings of the economics of all of this? Like, Are members of the culinary community, are they speaking out about this? Like, how do we get more people to because they kind of understand it with nurses and doctors. I think they, you know, we went outside and clapped for them at seven o'clock. Remember the good old days of being kind and polite?
3: (laughs) Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It wasn't that long ago.
1: How do we build that same bridge?
3: It's hard. I mean, I think one of the things you have to do is you have to do you have to Follow around a couple of servers, you know, at different levels of restaurants at the top tier, at a family owned restaurant, at a chain restaurant, at, you know, one of these Michelin starred restaurants and really spend a day in the life of a kitchen and a server in a professional food establishment to really know and to film all of the food waste. Like when all those plates come back, you know, from the dining room, you should just look at them. And you should look at them when they go out. You should look at them when you just have the camera pan in and out. You guys should do it on The Daily Show. It's really, it's crazy how much food wasted
1: there is, you know? Two questions before we go to the break. Number one, let's talk a little bit about women's equity in the restaurant industry. And, you know, we talk about inclusion in the larger conversation. And, you know, ever since 2020, we've been having a dialogue in this moment, in this unprecedented time. What are some flat out black and white things that can happen in the restaurant industry to make it more equitable for women workers?
3: Yeah, we all conscious now, but uh, you know, we're conscious in our <laughs> speech. I don't know if we're if we're conscious yet in our actions. actions yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. First of all, there needs to be a better division of labor just in the hours. You know, you can't because uh, restaurants are busy when the whole world is at mealtime. You need to share the hours more equitably. The person who is uh, distributing the hours to all the employees is usually a man because they're usually a person of power at that restaurant. You know, even all these beautiful restaurants, these fancy restaurants in New York, often they'll have a a white male chef at the head. But you go and you look into any kitchen in any of these restaurants and you will see that the whole kitchen is brown or black. Okay, for there's and they come in waves like for a long time they were Mexican, then they were Bangladeshi, then they were Nigerian, you know. So so they're always immigrants and the women often get the shaft because, again, it is manual labor. So women do get discriminated against because they are automatically assumed not physically qualified. To do the manual labor of of kitchen work. But honestly, on top chef, when you, once in a while, you'll hear me say that a dish is so delicious and so beautiful in presentation that it's almost feminine. I mean that in a compliment, you know, as a compliment, because (laughs) it is true that women have more sensitive palates than men do. Um, And while, yes, men have brute strength. It is also true that women have more endurance and tire less or tire later. Um, So I think that the first order of business is to look at the hours and make the hours uh, a lot more uh, family friendly for both men and women in the kitchen. And the other way is to make sure that the division of those hours, who's getting those hours, who's getting the busy shifts so they can, you know, make the most tips or whatever as, as service staff is also being distributed equitably. And, you know, a lot of a lot of big restaurateurs are also giving family time leave. Um, And you do have kitchens that are, you know, also completely run by women. I don't know if it still is now, but I know um, up until a couple years ago, you know, um, Cosme in New York was an all-female run kitchen. So it is possible. It is happening. But it has been a real old boys club. Um, No joke. Like, there is no industry other than maybe the military that is more male-dominated, than the food industry. And yet most of the food in the world is prepared by women. It's only the professional food world that is dominated by men.
1: What can a food loving person like me do to help? Other than being a 30% tipper, what can I do? Which is great. What can I do? Like, do I order more food? Am I more kind like I've always weird now when I go to restaurants now post COVID where I give you a perfect example. I was just in San Francisco. I took myself out for breakfast on a Saturday morning. And I my thing on Saturday mornings to read the paper and you know, I read the paper and enjoy my coffee after my meal. And then I look up and there's like there's gotta be at least fifteen people waiting on a table. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't sit here anymore like the old days. I have to get the hell out of here. Like, does that help eat as fast as possible to increase table turnover? How can us, the food consumer, what can we do to help restaurant workers just to make their experience better uh, between now and uh, clearly a lot of what you're talking about? We're going to need some laws. So between now and the laws, what can we do?
3: We really do need laws. Um. I think you're doing great, first of all, by tipping as much as you are. That is really generous. Uh, I think, you know, understanding that people are staffed uh, very poorly right now, um, being clear. You know, one thing, I mean, I was a server too when I was in school, and I think it's a great job for everyone. It teaches you such life skills and patience and empathy. I think everyone should have a job in the service industry at least for six months or a year of their lives as a young person because it teaches you a lot of humility. You know, um, I used to work at a pizzeria and there was a guy who came in every Monday and he would pay me in quarter rolls and dime rolls and stuff. And he always came alone. It's a big, large white man. He ordered a large pizza and a salad and a Diet Coke. (laughs) And that pizza had everything but the kitchen sink in it, I remember. And he would always pay, and I'd be like, oh God, here we go again. I'd be cashing out at the end of the night. I I, I couldn't even keep his um, tips in my apron because they would just weigh me down. So, so, you know, forget the coins um, if you have them, Uh, tip well. Make your reservation and keep it. And yes, you know, also do not go with five people and give them four credit cards. Figure that shit out on your own before you go. Say, all right, who's gonna pay? Who has to go to the ATM? Because you're just creating havoc. He's gonna have to divide that stuff, run four credit cards. It's insane and stupid. And I think all those little things are, are what, you know, you can do as a consumer. And also, yes, don't stay there for two hours. Or if you do, just, you know, there is no harm in sending a message or, or if you speak to someone when you're making a reservation, say, listen, I really want a leisurely um slow lunch. When should I come in when you're not that busy? I don't want to stress you out. How cool would that be if you did that? Because also, mm. P.S., the experience would be better for you because the restaurant wouldn't be as crowded. Your server would have more bandwidth to pay attention to you. You know, all of those things you can ask and find out. Restaurants are more than happy to give you that information.
1: Well, you have given me more than enough of your time. I taste nation holiday edition comes back to Hulu on November 4th, if I'm not mistaken. And you have a children's book. I want to hear about that. Tomatoes for Neela.
3: Yes. Tomatoes for Neela just came out. Uh, This is based on a story I used to tell my daughter about when fruits and vegetables grew in what season, because it just occurred to me, if your kid doesn't live near, um, You know, an orchard or a farm, they don't know when anything grows because Mm -hmm. in our land of plenty, everything is always available because it gets flown in or whatever. And I wanted her to have a connection to Mother Nature, understand that we should only eat certain fruits and vegetables uh, when they're in season, not only because... They're more tasty, but because they're better for you. The book is all about that and the characters have brown skin because when I was growing up and when I first was buying books for my daughter, all the books just had white people in it. And, you know, I turned out okay, but it's also nice to see all different kinds of skin colors and complexions in children's book characters. And so... Um, This is all this book is also for all the brown folk out there who are trying to show their kids that there's more than one kind of ideal um, in narrative for children.
1: Well, Tomatoes for Neela is on bookshelves now until you have an episode of Top Chef where you allow chefs to just only make hot dogs. I guess I'll have to wait to see you at another comedy show or another comedy benefit.
3: You are always welcome on any of my sets, anytime. Just let me know. And as soon as, you know, all these different viruses and variants go away, we'll do another comedy show and you will be our first invite, rest assured.
1: Well, I love you, old friend. Very good to see you again. Thank you so much for going beyond the scenes with me.
3: Take care, Roy. Be well, be safe. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Take
1: care. After the break, we're going to go beyond the scenes with the Daily Show producer and researcher who had a hand in creating this segment. We are talking about restaurant workers and why they are not coming back to work. Where y'all at? Come back to work, please. Beyond the scenes.
4: Goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See Lisa.com for more details.
6: The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July
1: 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome back. Thank you to Padma Lakshmi for that wonderful, wonderful first segment. We want to go beyond the scenes now. And continue to discuss this topic of restaurant workers first with Daily Show producer Madeline Coons. Madeline, how are you doing? Welcome back. I think this is what your second, third time going beyond with me? Oh my God, second. <laughs> second, okay, hopefully. Right, hopefully there's another one. But good to see you okay. again, right? You're you're neck and neck with CJ Hunt. And we're gonna mm-hmm. pair you up now with First Timer. She is a researcher and a wonderful, wonderful stand-up comedian. Stephanie.
7: Oh. Hello.
1: How you been, to be old here. Friend. I've been good. How are you, Roy? I have no complaints, no complaints. <laughs> it's it's weird when it's somebody you know but you first time yeah. you see him is on Zoom in a year. Yeah, yeah. So weird, so <laughs> weird. But glad to be here all the same. So, before we get into the origins of where this piece came from and you know, and for the listeners who are kind of new to the podcast, I'm sure the the diehards already know this, but you know, stories come up a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's something in the news, sometimes it's with personal experience. And this one, I believe, you two have experience. You two have both been in the trenches of food service. Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, Madeline, we'll start with you. Madeline, run down run down your pedigree. What's all your When did you get medals in? Where did you earn your stripes?
5: (laughs) So I started in the service industry when I was 16. And I I stayed for about, you know, on and off for 10 years. It's something that you can like always go back to, like it's always there. So I always feel like, you know, on one hand, you know, you always have like your service resume, and then maybe you're like doing something else, but you can always go back to it and build it. And Mm -hmm. I did waitressing for a long time. I was a for the most part, I was a barista, so I worked with like in cafes, making coffee. You know, being in there at early hours in the morning. So, um, <sighs> I like to sleep in now. That's like my favorite thing. I just <laughs> I don't like to get on the train at 4:30 and like go and open up anything. So i was just like I will sleep till noon. I don't feel bad about that. Uh, but yeah, coffee shops for a long time.
1: Stephanie, what about you? What was your uh, what, what, what food service branch? that you serve? Uh,
5: Yeah. Uh, For me,
7: it started probably, I guess I would say in college, I worked um, at the university's catering company. So it was like doing weddings, alumni events um, for catering. team dinners and all of that. (laughs) All of it. um, Any sort of convention that was being held at uh, the college I went to, all of that. So you
1: was doing like the the salad fork, the shrimp fork, the dinner fork.
7: yeah. just yeah. like and so many people and personalities and personalities yeah, yeah. And personalities. <laughs> yeah. that's the <laughs> i was serving silverware and personalities that's what i was uh, having to deal the with The circle um, tables
1: with the white yeah. cloth Sancy exactly
7: exactly shit. exactly all of that yeah so i started with that uh which was um a nightmare and then when i uh got out of college i worked actually at a movie theater that served food in the theater so you had to like It was just like a full service restaurant, but you had to take orders while people were like watching a movie or if they wanted a refill of a drink, it's like at the climax of the movie, they'd like pause you They'd be like, hold on one second. Let me just, let me just see what's going to happen in this moment. And then you get to take the order. So it was a nightmare, a complete nightmare. Yeah.
1: So in this segment, uh, Madeline, I'll start with you. Walk me through the inception. What were you all hoping to achieve with this segment?
5: Yeah, so it was something that had been on my mind for a long time also because, um, and I think like Padma touched on this really well, like in the last, in the previous part of this, where just, you know, there was the restaurant worker industry has just like been hit so hard in the pandemic. And like, I think we've all been very lucky being able to like work from home. And, you know, for some people, like there was never like a shutdown, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs, but there never really was a shutdown. And like kind of seeing how that, you know, impacted just this, like, ma- like massive industry that I think we all have, you know, either worked in, but we all, like, rely on. And so then in May, what was happening was there, there was just this, you know, businesses were trying to hire people, but again, like, workers didn't want to go back because, like, a lot of times it wasn't safe, and they weren't getting paid a lot, right? We're treating them like essential workers, and they were not, be- I mean, they were working as essential workers, and we weren't treating them as... So it was just one of these like news narratives of like big restaurants like McDonald's and Applebee's like struggling because like they're they're like lazy entitled workers are like spending their unemployment checks and like you know just like sitting at home like taking care of their children like how dare them like you know like restaurant workers were the Goliath and like Applebee's is the David you know and it was just like what is this so Um, I talked to, like, my boss about it, and he was just like, yeah, Trevor's, like, already really interested in this. And so that, like, really made it easy to, like, kind of get deeper into the argument and, like, say, like, what is behind this?
1: Like, where does this come from? And, like... This is when I knew that the restaurant industry was struggling. This is when I knew it was some shit going on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) McDonald's was offering free iPhones, Mm. and then Applebee's (laughs) was offering free appetizers just for the interview. Just... Just come, hey man, you ain't even got to work here, dog. I'll just give you cheese
2: sticks
1: (laughs) if you just come and pretend you want to work here. But I was like, oh, okay, something's going on. And I think now, is it a Chick-fil-A that's offering college tuition? Like there's a couple of spots that are like, we'll even send you to college. Just oh yeah, easy, they're baby. Yeah. they're offering all these things, which honestly, I think they should just be
5: offering the whole time. But they're exactly. just like this is like a perk now. It's like health insurance is like a perk of a job. Like it's framed in this <laughs> way. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's like we're what? gonna
7: sell you on this terrible job by giving you benefits you should have had that wouldn't have made it yeah. terrible in the first place.
5: I would apply Have and get it. an I would apply and get an iPhone though. Like I would just yeah. I was like where I was like take I was like where is that Roy? I'll I'll go get an iPhone. For free. Depending
7: on <laughs> the app I would apply at Applebee's too. It just depends,
5: you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll come in. What are we I counting an as
7: an app? app? That sizzling like chicken. Only, I might I might <laughs> I might apply.
1: Not only would I go to Applebee's for a free job application appetizer, <laughs> I'd take my girl with me and say it's a date. <laughs> hey, we're dating on I a budget. You yep. pretend <laughs> to need a job too. Let's both be quiet and get paid real quick.
5: They're gonna be like, oh, Roy, back again. Like
1: <laughs> you just see these people subjected, uh people being the service industry workers being subjected to so much nasty behavior from customers, mm-hmm. and the videos go viral of people going behind the counter to make their own burger or some anti-masker yelling at a woman who's just enforcing her company's policy, not mm-hmm. her own politics. What are some of the horror stories? Stephanie, I'll start with you. What are some of the horror stories that you've had uh, working in the service industry?
7: Oh, my goodness. Just from the the, I would say the basic thing is just the interactions, just microaggressions and interactions, cultural microaggressions, read racism, um, just different <laughs> things asking me where I'm from, Um uh, I'm from America, nah, Yeah, Yeah, exactly, no, but like, where are you really from? Exactly, because of course I'm lying. Um, I would also (laughs) say, just like attitudes, basic attitudes is like, you're at a wedding, you're here to celebrate someone's love, okay? Why is your attitude so stank? I don't understand, like what, Mm. you're asking me to bring you water, why do you have to be so rude about it? I'll bring you water, Mm -hmm. like, it just doesn't yeah. make any sense just general attitude why are you attitudes. to
1: somebody bringing your food you want exactly. me to bring this water it's going to be something else it might be bleach might be saliva
7: L- let's watch your mouth i've heard some things from servers before i literally have heard a server say uh, this person didn't tip me i should have spit in their water so you would think with that yeah. in the the sort of discussion of like what happens in service industry sometimes not justifying it that people would have better attitudes
1: You've you would got think, to be no. bold. Madeline, yeah. I know you've messed up somebody's matcha latte <laughs> espresso and then they come back in. Hey, hey, woman, you didn't put, oh, uh, I asked for 2% milk and you gave me 1% milk.
5: I asked for eight pumps of caramel. like, <laughs> And you're just like, why? Why do you want that much? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, definitely like yes to what Stephanie's talking about. I think there's just like people get like drunk on power. Like there's like this sense of entitlement if you're behind a counter that they're just like, I can treat you like however I want. And like, there's like this, I don't know. I kind of think of it as like, I've horror, customer horror stories and I have like
1: employer horror, horror stories. So I don't know
5: which. I was like, which one do you want? <laughs> Cause I have both. <laughs> well, I think
1: both because, you know, the employers are just as bad. And this was something we didn't have time to get into with the Padma, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely a very odd militaristic mm-hmm. mindset within food service, like, do whatever it takes, stay all night. And like, I I remember, i give you a perfect example. When I worked at Golden Corral, the busy day was Saturdays for Florida State home games. So if Florida State had a home game, we opened at 7.30 for breakfast. The line starts at 6.45. So you have the big buses and the tour groups coming. Your shift is over with at two. I'm off at two.
5: Are you, though?
1: I'm off, yeah. the, I'm <laughs> off the floor.
5: Are, are you, though? Are you just like- Your
1: last table is set at one in your section. Mm-hmm. You relinquish your section at one. You start side work at 1.30. Any table that's still there after two, you can give to the server that inherited your section, or you could wait patiently for your tip at the break room. But while you're waiting in that like one thirty to two o'clock range where you're technically off the floor, a bus could come. And then they'll go, oh, you got to get back out on the floor. And if mm, you don't we'll do that, then that. you're not a team player. Mm-hmm. And then next week, you're not working Saturdays at all. Mm-hmm. And Saturday's a money day because Florida State's in town. So they'll take you. Yeah. So it's those little, like you said, mm-hmm. those microaggressions and these little passive, I'm a shift leader and I've never been in charge <laughs> right. of people. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to haze you. You deal with that type of shit all the time. like. And those were the things that really made that job hard. I mean, honestly- at least the customers you don't know what they're going through, but you're my coworker, dog. You're supposed yeah. to support me. Yeah. Like that to me is more damaging to the morale of, you know, a food worker is having to deal with bullshit from your boss or from your supervisor or from, you know, just your other coworkers in general.
7: Especially from the perspective if it's like your supervisor, because you're you're not telling me that I can't leave when my shift is over, but you're implying that me leaving when my shift is over is going to prevent me getting those hours next time, or it's going to prevent me making more money. Exactly. Or it's indicative of my work ethic. When I've worked my shift, it's over. I should be able to go without feeling any sort of animus from you or any sort of guilt for Lee, taking my take reclaiming my time that's what i'm doing i'm reclaiming yeah. my time and i shouldn't have to feel guilty about that but it, it is what it is but with the customer they're gone you may never see that person again so it's worse when it's your boss i think i definitely think so
5: yeah i think that's a huge aspect of just like these unwritten rules or like you know there are laws but there's like these spaces between them yeah. so it's like well you had a shift but you need to show up. Um, ok. so my my horror story quickly of just one thing that would happen. And I think, Roy, you hit on this really well of just how long it takes. like, When you come in, like, so, like, if you open a coffee shop, like, sometimes, like, people are, like, out there, like, Dawn of the Dead, like, you know, like, banging on the windows, (laughs) like, like, they want coffee, and you're just, like, we have no coffee yet, it's 530, and we open Uh. at 6, and they're, like, can we just come in, and you're, like, no, you cannot, (laughs) so, like, on Saturdays, you know, for example, like, you'd be busy all day, you're busy before you open, right, and so, if you're, you know, so, if you're on the closing shift, and, like, you know, like, you have to set up things for the people who are coming in, right? So closing is like a huge, like you have to clean, like yeah. you have to clean the bathrooms, which all cafes are like public bathrooms because we don't have like yeah. bathrooms in this country. All the food um, prep
1: has to be stocked yeah. and done and ready. The milk has to You gotta clean, to be be you gotta
5: mop, like you have to do everything. Yeah, restock because like there's a new shift coming in at 5.30. So what my old, so at this coffee shop, which I will not name, but my <laughs> bosses who own the coffee shop, they would make us fill out our time sheets ahead of time which is called Wage What? Yeah. yeah. So they would be like, so it's going to take you 15 minutes to close on Saturday. I was like, it will never take me 15 minutes. Because people are in here until we close. Yeah. So like it's they would like, they would ridiculous. like be like, this is how you're going to work. Right. And I was like, see, no, but they would like that's... make us fill it out. Yeah. So they'd be like, this is how much we want you to work.
1: Those are the things about food service that people don't know about. So no. yeah. how do we, how do we get people to know more about like, what are, what are some other things that you think people like, like I'll give you one. I wish that more people knew the amount of work a server has to do with the end of their shift. When you're someone's, like, I feel a certain feeling of guilt when I know I'm someone's last table. Mm, Like, so much Mm -hmm. so to the point that I'll even close out. Like, if I know I'm going to be here another 15 minutes, hey, man, just bring me the check now, and I'll close. So you can go. You're free. You don't have an open check in the dining room. Yeah. that mm-hmm. you're waiting on like th- there's just these certain things that add more time to these people's lives that I just don't think you know a lot of people give a second thought to like I try my best not to go mm-hmm. to any fast food restaurant that's 30 minutes from closing if you're within th- like the first thing I'll ask before I order is what time do you close yeah what are some things Madeline what are some things that you wish the general public knew about this this life in this world
5: I mean, this is, like, really hard work, and I and I know you guys talked about it a little bit, but, like, I, I think something that drives me crazy is just, like, the language that we have around service industry work in general. Like, we call it, like, low-skilled or unskilled. Like, we just have all these, like, pejorative terms yeah. that we use when we talk about this work. I mean, kind of like what I mentioned, like, it's like you have two resumes because people don't recognize the work you do in the service industry as, like, legitimate or, like, something that is on par with something that you would do in a different place. And then look, not all skills are transferable, but like, you know, I'll say like, I'm better at my job that I do now because I worked in the service industry. Because like, Stephanie, like what you were saying, I was like, yeah. you, you're like a diplomat. You know, you are yeah. a therapist to people. Like you are dealing with a lot of different people and like a very change- fast changing environment. And you have to think on your feet, you know?
7: I agree with you Mads about particularly about the skill sets that come out of restaurant worker, like working in the service industry in general, um, the personalities alone on the front and the back end, like <laughs> dealing with your management and dealing with customers, mm-hmm. that will prepare you to work anywhere in corporate America. Literally, you can work if <laughs> you can That's deal true. with That's the wide true. array of crazy personalities, mm-hmm. you are prepared to work on Wall Street. Like you can do it. You can absolutely do it because half the battle in corporate America our personality. So you, you've already got a really good soft skill. Okay. Not to mention mathematics. You have to, Oh, my people, God, right? oh well, yes. what's, what's 20% of the, why are you asking me to calculate the tip? I need, <laughs> you know, don't you have a smartphone? Like the, the, all of these little things that are soft skills that can be applied to other things. People mm-hmm. underestimate when they look at someone's resume and they see that, oh, they worked at McDonald's, which I think is probably the gates of hell in terms of service industry
5: just one other thing to add to that too is just like i don't want to sound like a dictator but i'm also just like we need a law that everyone has to work in the service industry like for a year like right like do you know what i mean like that should be your gap year between yeah. high school and college Be there for a year. I think we'd have a lot better policies if people actually had to be treated by someone who comes in and like is like. I have a hundred dollar bill and I want to like I want to buy one dollar. Yeah, you can't even run for
1: office if you haven't done it. If you haven't,
5: yeah, yeah, make it a requirement. Like, (laughs) not the military. Make service industry the requirement. Yeah. To me,
1: the two disciplines are food service. Food, retail, or outdoors? Like yes. yard work.
5: Yeah, yes, oh my gosh. yes.
1: Food, retail, or yard those work. Three. Those three yes. will build character beyond your years. Uh, we've covered a lot right here, which leads me to a question that I want to ask you after the break, which is what stuff did not make it into this segment? Don't answer it now. Okay. Because we have to play commercials <laughs> going beyond the <laughs> scenes. We'll be right back.
2: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.
6: The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription
1: auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Now, you all were two of the brain trust of this segment. So, Madeline, how much do you think minimum wage plays into mm.
5: Oh, my God. It's like, how long do we have? Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Because with all of the issues surrounding why workers aren't going back, it could be COVID, it could be customers want to punch you, but it also could just be straight up, there are no benefits. How much Mm -hmm. do you think the wage itself and the lack of, and you know, a lot of states are still Mm -hmm. 213 or 223, whatever, still in the $2 bracket. How much do you think that plays into a lot of the issues that the restaurants are having and getting workers back in the doors?
5: Oh my god! I mean, so many. Because I I know that there's been a push. I know like one failed, but like if you like think of two thirteen, like think of how much or not how much money that is. Yeah. Like you you can't. It's not a. You know we we talk a lot about jobs, but we don't. We talk. We spend less time talking about like the you know like the quality of those jobs. It's like as long as you have a job, it's fine. But these are not. I mean, these are just like not living wages like that. that, I mean, these are uh, and I know that like Trevor had said it in the piece of just like these are starvation wages, right? These are not. And, you know, to your point about like there's you know, there's this whole range of ages in the restaurant and service industry. It's just like I think part of what I found really interesting looking into this piece. And like um, researching this piece, you know, with Steph was that you, you really it, it felt like a mini like myth busting of like what the actual like restaurant worker is. Because like, yeah. I mean, that was like there's like 14 million people currently in the restaurant industry. It's, it's a majority women workforce like, you know, half of the moms there are single mothers. I think the median age is close to 30. Like these are adults like we're not talking about teens, you know, yeah. mowing the lawn or like working at a Sunday you know ice cream shop <laughs> to like over the summer like these are people yeah. who this is their job and this is their career and the fact that we're not willing to set a mint like a minimum wage or like have people like excluded from other like legal protections because they're in a certain industry is just so wild
1: yeah, yeah. and th- that's where we get the people who and i think that's part of what imp- the the Servers being paid less than minimum wage, I think, mm-hmm. is part of what fuels the sense of empowerment from a customer who yeah. can look at you and go, Well, you're not getting a tip, Mister. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna withhold my tip. What do you think about that? Woo-hoo. Like I remember a guy, I don't I don't know if any of you all have a not like, getting what's, tip. Story, what's the worst?
5: What's the worst tip you've ever gotten?
1: <laughs> the worst tip? I I was working at Shoney's and I think I got a dollar on a 30-top. It was a bus. And I think like I got like maybe a dollar maybe two dollars or whatever, like whatever was left like let's say the bill was like one eighty and like the bill was one seventy eight fourteen, and they left one eighty in cash or something like that, right, yeah, but I remember one time feeling so vindicated, we had a coworker i can't say which restaurant but his name was glenn that is his real legal name <laughs> and because i didn't name the restaurant Can we just happened to have glenn this out via he comical. knows
7: he, knows. he, he knows. knows yeah glenn glenn is like he's like, right now roy
1: <laughs> it was one of those florida state saturdays and fucking glenn had like an eight top and they didn't leave him nothing Mm-hmm. And this motherfucker mm-hmm. ran. The mm-hmm. Glenn ran out to the parking lot on their ass and stood behind the car while they was trying to back out their parking space what? with his <laughs> hand out. Just sta- <laughs> like this is all kinds of wrong. This is uh, like every server's in the window. Like wow, he really did it he re- <laughs> because he went out there, held his hand out, and they tipped him. Uh, like, that would. What-
5: Glenn, I'm really happy for Glenn. Like, I've, I've, yeah, he should have been
1: fired, amazing. but he was just—he was such a great server. I just don't think they could afford to lose him. That's the other mm-hmm. thing that we didn't even have time to get into—is how much people, as a restaurant owner, you can't really even afford to fire no. anybody right no. now. So no. you kind of got a little no. bit like—if you're a server, now's the time to slap the shit out of a customer if you really want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. This Glenn is like uh
7: he's an analogy for what has happened with these restaurants offering all these things. He mm-hmm. what he did is what <laughs> what is hap- it's what's happening now. Glenn so they stuck their hand out <laughs> and said, pay up, you can do it. They obviously could tip. To go back, just a thought that I had on my head to go back to the 213 that Mads was talking about, I just think that's such an important point because um if you think about it, you, it's, you'd it's you be hard pressed to find places in the United States where you can get gas for $2.13 to drive to mm-hmm. that job that is just paying $2.13 an hour. So I, I hope that gives people some perspective. And I think that's a thing that often for, is forgotten is that by the customers that people are making two thirteen an hour. The least mm-hmm. you can do is tip.
1: Yeah. At a time where, you know, people are still pushing for 15 an hour. But until that exactly. time- Minimum mm-hmm. wage is still that same funky ass seven dollars yeah. <laughs> that has been since fucking Bush. Yeah, but yeah. that's a conversation for another day. All right. So, lastly, the segment as a whole, as a whole, could have gone a lot of different directions with regards to restaurants, from the pay structure to the gender inequality and harassment. The way immigration and the way immigrants are treated and illegals mm-hmm. and green cards, and the lack of benefits, and child care. What were some of the things that you hoped there was room for in the segment mm-hmm. that you weren't able to get to?
5: It's not that we didn't mention this, but again, it's like, I think sometimes when we're like in our department, we're just like, let's make it a 20 minute segment. They're like, you cannot do that. Like, (laughs) that's the the length of the show. Uh, But I, you know, because of of how women are impacted by the industry and how many women are in it, like it would have, and especially how much uh, sexual harassment specifically of women in the service industry has just skyrocketed during the pandemic and how they're affected by like things like childcare of like... People can't go back to work because, the, you know, who's going to watch their kids? So, like, things like that, I, it would have, I definitely would have wanted to spend, like, you know, more time on if, if we would have had, if we would have had the room to to talk about them because sexual harassment is so pervasive. And I think, you know, we don't, it, it, again, it, it goes back into that entitlement of, like, you know, so often servers, like you said, like, they're in, it's like they're invisible or they're, like, overly visible, right? But they're never yeah. people yeah. who are just at their jobs. One of the things that really stuck out to me when we were researching this piece is just how often especially again for female servers is that um I would say for the most part men would ask them to take their masks off when they're working so they could you know like see them smile, right? Mm. And it's just like so you like if you have to do that to get your tip, if you have to endanger your life to get your tip, like you know, that's that's shocking, you know, it's oh, it's just awful. Me. So, yeah, it's, just, it's so I was like just keep it on. Like just Oh, but again, it puts well, women in an impossible situation in this industry that is already like already just like rife with, you know, a lot of inequities. So I think we just it, need to
1: do a whole down. episode of just all the shit women go a whole month yeah. of episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just yeah. a whole year. Of episodes of just all this shit, a whole two years. Of episodes
7: <laughs>
5: yeah. Of
7: just keep going, right? Keep going. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had more time to uh, speak with you all about this, but I think we'll have to stop the discussion here because uh, I think my food delivery service just arrived with my food, and I'm about to tip up thirty percent, baby. Thank you all for going behind the scenes with me, ladies, and I can't wait to have you back on another episode. Thank you, uh, Roy. Thank you, Roy. Okay. That's all the time we have for today, but hopefully we've taken you beyond the scenes. If you like the podcast, rate and review us, please. And review. I'm just rate. And review us. Or is it just review? I shouldn't. It, it don't matter. You know what I meant. Just do it, please. Respectfully. Listen to the daily show Beyond the Scenes on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.